Hello. Sleep is a big topic in the baby days and then you hit the toddler years and it feels like it all goes quiet. But we know, as we're guessing, that you know that sleep doesn't fall in a straight line and you still need support as your baby grows. I'm Kat Cubie, writer, broadcaster and current toddler mum. I know, hold my coffee. And this is Sarah Carpenter, baby and child sleep expert and mama to all. Oh. Ah, that's lovely. <laughs> Together we are the Sleep Mums. Yoto is the perfect sound machine for babies with parents in control using content from Yoto's sleep radio, the sleep noises and sounds, fancy camping in rural France as you go to sleep. But it also grows with your family. Yoto has this brilliant wee slot for audio cards to be popped in that children can use from age three that are super sturdy and easy to use. There are tons of different cards for you and your little one to love, including songs, stories, a huge range of well-known ones from Julia Donaldson to Disney, sound cards and phonics cards. The cards mean you can build a library your family will love for years to come. One of my favourite features of the Yoto, though, is that you can also record yourself reading your kid's bedtime story. It's really easy to do through the Yoto app on your phone. Over the years, when someone else was doing bedtime and my kids were struggling, we tried to find ways for me to record myself singing or reading a story to comfort them, and none really worked. The Yoto has been the ideal solution and allowed me a worry-less night out. Go to yotoplay.com for more. This week, we're talking about a toddler sleep toolkit. You were prepared for sleepless nights during babyhood. You didn't expect more of the same when your baby entered toddlerhood. But yet, here we all are. When your baby was born, it might have felt like you wanted or needed to buy all the gadgets to help your little one sleep. We're not fans of having to buy a lot of stuff. Mostly the tools you need are you and possibly some strong coffee. If you are buying something, we like it to be Swiss Army knife kind of items, like things that do all of the things, which is one of the reasons we love Yoto. It's brilliant from birth right up to toddlerhood, teenagers, mid-kids and tweens. But what else would we include in our toddler sleep toolkit? As your baby grows and develops into a wild and wonderfully willful toddler, their sleep pattern will gradually change. Plus, as they become more keyed into the world, things like changes to their routine, separation anxiety, illness and teething can all add up to make sleep more challenging at times. So when the going gets exhausting, the exhausted get a sleep plan. Perhaps even more so than when they were babies, you need to have clear ideas about how you're going to tackle any sleep situations. So a good place to start is a plan. Sarah, how would I start making a sleep plan? So first of all, it's super important that everyone who is going to be involved in sleep is on board with the plan. You can't have three people doing sleep and three different plans. So talk about it, but respect each other. It's really important that everybody gets a chance to be heard with what they think will work for them. And then you put a plan together that incorporates everyone. So it might not be that the first plan you come up with is the most ideal plan for everybody. But as you go, you can make little tweaks and changes. But the main thing is that you've considered everybody and made sure that everyone can follow it through. Are you including the toddler in that plan? Not the toddler, no. You wouldn't include a toddler because they aren't going to be able to really communicate exactly what's going to work 
it might be what works for them, but they're not going to be able to communicate what works for the family. All the stories. All, exactly. <laughs> all the stories, all the programs, all the food. So no, but as children get older, you can definitely include them in the plan and talk to them and explain why some things are going to work and some things won't, won't work. So what, but what would a sleep plan actually look like? So you're saying that everyone needs to be on board, but what, what would you include in it? It would be really important to have things like, um, you know, who's doing bedtime when is an important one. You can't, um, if for a toddler, if they're feeling anxious about bedtime and bedtime suddenly changes, so somebody starts bedtime and then it switches out for some reason, or, um, you know, they've you've told them at lunchtime that mummy's going to do it and then come bedtime at somebody else. Now, obviously these things can happen as an emergency, but to really um, gain the toddler's trust, if you have a visual that shows mummy's doing bedtime tonight, daddy's doing bedtime tonight, granny's doing bedtime or nanny's doing bedtime, it really helps them be confident in the plan. Then you need to think about what you actually want on the plan. So how many stories are you going to read? You know, what works for everybody? Um, is little one going to have a snack at a certain time? And what time do you actually want them in bed? That is the key part of the plan. You need to have all agreed what time you're getting your toddler into bed and stick with it. I found that um, particularly just because you, you mentioned it then when you're talking about if someone else is doing bedtime, which might throw them. I've found that the time you talk about that is really important, that it cannot, it has to be before tea time, before you get into that sort of bedtime phase. And it can't be in the morning because then they've got all day. So it's like picking your moment, depending. I mean, they, lots of kids are totally fine with it. My kids have not been they always get very wound up about it being someone else. Um, and so I find the times that you talk about these things very important. Yeah, and it's not just the times, it's where you're talking about it as well. So you don't want to be, if you want to have a proper calm conversation about sleep or bedtime, you don't want to be pulling them away from an activity that they're really enjoying to do that because that's just going to aggravate them. So a nice calm walk or, um, you know, sitting having a snuggle on the sofa or a snack that's your time to really have the conversation and equally if they've just left nursery you don't want to be bringing it up then either because they've got so much else going on in their little brains they're just not ready to talk about it. I actually think that's very true for when you're talking to partners or family members too as well that it's in a kind of calm situation that you're not trying to do it on the fly you know you're definitely not doing it as everyone's going to bed like just finding definitely. those moments um, where you can talk about it rationally because quite often people have got different ideas I mean you know, I would say my hus husband and I are squabbling a wee bit about how our seven-year-old goes to bed at the moment because we have slightly different ideas about it, but we keep not talking about it until we're actually in the moment of it. Yeah. And that's so common. It's like we say on so many podcasts, you know, don't have an argument over a call. It's exactly the same with toddlers and older, older children. You know, don't have the discussion in front of them, especially if it's going to get heated and don't do it in the bedroom. So don't have the discussion in the bedroom. I've had a bad habit of shushing him recently. <laughs> shushing Ollie. Yeah. Okay. I know. That's a big no no. I know. We wouldn't give that advice to any of our listeners, know, but if but that's what works for you too. But he's just, he's been getting, I, it's taken me a long time to kind of try and create a calmness around bedtime, and he's tired, and so he's ratty, and so he's losing his cool, and and it and it's me that brings it so yes I'm shooting him because I'm like I just want him to take it down but I know that that's not good because she has started also shooting him <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that's uh, that's not great. Is Big no-no. But, you know, we also, in these situations, we all do these things and we all get to breaking point. And that's, you know, why it is so important to try and have these discussions out, away from the environment, but often impossible as parents to do so. So we're not judging any shushers. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> Toddlers are more of everything, apart from perhaps sleep. They are more mobile, more communicative, more stubborn, more loving, and way more full of energy. This is one of the key things that can make bedtimes harder, especially as the difference between not being tired enough and being too tired can become even more blurred. So a calm and safe sleep environment becomes even more essential. Sarah, talk me through why your environment should be in your sleep toolkit. This is so important. It's probably one of the most important things that we can talk about as environment. So, um, you know, imagine as imagine the thing that you love as an adult, um, and you walk into a room full of it. You. <laughs> and I was expecting you to say gin or something, but yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, imagine walking into a room of me and being told that you just have to go to sleep. exactly so you know we often have the setup of our children's bedroom includes a lot of toys a lot of exciting things and we don't appreciate that they might have been away from those things all day whether that's at school nursery or just out and about being busy or in other rooms of the house that's Sarah's dog Guinness joining us for this podcast yeah he's got something to add Um, about sleep environments yes i mean guinness is generally quite a good sleeper but today he's uh he's failed me the one day that i needed him to so did he have your coffee I mean, there's not even any coffee in the house that's how extreme i've taken this wow it's gone cold turkey um so yes you you've you set your children's room up, it's beautiful, but it's full of toys, it's full of things that they love, it's full of things of excitement, full of things that they want to play with, and then we're asking them to go to sleep. So think about your environment. For a period of time, remove things. I look at my three bedrooms now, my children's bedrooms now, and um, my middle one at nine literally has a wardrobe with clothes and a bed. And that's it. He has nothing else because as soon as anything else goes in that room, he is just wild about going to sleep. You know, it's like, oh, but I want to do this and I want to do that. And suddenly things that, you know, I've encouraged him to play with for Mm -hmm. months at that point in time, suddenly he wants to play with them. So it's just, you know, thinking about things like that, but then also thinking about the temperature, the light and dark. It doesn't need to be blackout. If children want a little nightlight on or want the door cracked open, that's okay. So it's it's just thinking about your child's individual needs. But I think, you know, for toddlers and for children, the toys and games and things is really important in the environment. Um, you also want it to be safe for them because... Obviously, with toddlers, you're getting to the stage they might be moving from a cot into a bed. So you might have that sort of slight worry that they might climb out or if they are in a bed that they might fall out. Um, How can you make sure it's a safe environment? So as much as we don't generally recommend video monitors for babies, I actually do really like video monitors for children, toddlers and children, so that you can see those signs coming and that does just reassure parents. But you need to be aware of where your cot is as well. So make sure that it's not near any wires, not near windows, not near radiators, um, not near anything that they can then use to climb out on. It's very common to have either a changing table close to a cot or a dressing table or something um, to test your drawers and children will eventually use that 
as a tactic for climbing out. So, um, you know, stick with your safe sleep guidelines. Have a, you know, obviously for um, babies and children over 12 months, then you can, can have comforters and things in with them. But um, yeah, around about it, just keep it as basic as possible. I feel like this is quite, well, there's probably, yeah, there's, there's quite a big thing, I suppose. A lot of toddlers tend to become a bit more worried about the dark. And maybe this is when we might encourage using nightlights or magic lamps. Um, but that can also be really disturbing to them, particularly with the morning wakes or early morning wakes. Any advice around that? So really with the nightlights or the crack in the door with the hallway light, that is my preference, I have to say having the door open slightly and having a little bit of light coming in from the hall is less disruptive because it's much more consistent and it doesn't tend to be a brighter or dimmer light it just stays obviously if you've then got a house that's got skylights and things then that changes and at different times in the night it is going to become brighter so that might not be suitable for you and you do go for a nightlight so if you're going for a nightlight really just keep it as dim as possible it's reassurance but you don't want it to be too bright I don't like ones that that can be changed in light because then you tend to end up in a bit of a battle of the wills at bedtime of oh I want a brighter tonight or like as in what colour colours and just dimness as well Um, you know you will end up with that request of so you know where you might have had a request for 10 books now you've got a request for seeing the 10 different Mm -hmm. um, shades of light and yeah so it's just keep things as simple as keep it simple we turn um, my sons off when we go to bed so he knows if he wakes up and it's off that we've gone to bed yeah but that means that we're next door so that's Mm -hmm. kind of yeah and that's really good if they've got that understanding then you can totally do that yeah but that yeah that definitely came when he was a wee bit older and I suppose that's the difficulty in talking about toddlers you know they're toddlers from when they're kind of reaching 18 months all the way up until three really um when they've kind of got all they've got all that kind of communication and you know are able to kind of process these things differently so it's such a wide range it's quite hard to talk about it as a singular term in the same way it's hard to talk about babies in a in a singular way as well because they change Mm -hmm. so rapidly too it might seem that now they're bigger your toddler needs a routine less than when they were a baby but in many ways they need it just as much if not more, because as they grow, they become increasingly aware of what happens next. Sticking to wake up, napping and going to bed at roughly the same time each day is comforting and can help encourage them to go along with the plan. But that doesn't mean a toddler routine is easy. Sarah, what is important in a toddler routine? So toddler routine, you really want to keep it simple um, but cover everything so you think about the things that are important to you so obviously cleaning teeth going to the toilet if they want a drink or a snack and then having a story and then getting into bed so think about your key things that you know from a good sleep habit but also just from a hygiene and everything point of view and make sure that you've covered them all in the routine um You can use things like use very visual things for um, toddlers and children. So you could have your sleep mountain, which um, is basically just a mountain on the wall that shows your child climbing the mountain every time they've had a good sleep or had a good bedtime. Show visual pictures of 
either, you know, just downloaded off the net of little cartoon children sleeping or actually take pictures of your children and have those photos up to show that them. That sounds a bit creepy. <laughs> Although I have to confess, I do take pictures of the kids when they're sleeping. They just look so cute. and Oh, totally. I, I take videos of... Um, moving their mouths and talking so it's like hi how you told the pies <laughs> <laughs> and do you show them or do you just have this yeah, weird yeah. collection <laughs> we all laugh about it's not it just for yourself like, <laughs> who, who got the video last night yeah i mean one night they'll come in and do it to me this is the worry <laughs> i can't believe they've not already <laughs> no I'm next not. time you stay i'm gonna do that <laughs> i was just gonna say like you're gonna suggest it to them now when they're yeah. gonna be firing these videos across to you um, so yes, it, no, the photos are really nice though because they do actually just show, they, they not only show what you are expecting and asking them to do, but they actually reassure the child themselves because they look back and they go, oh, look, I was asleep and I was happy and I was comfortable and I was safe. So it's a really good way of just, um, you know, building that confidence about sleep and why it's so good. And what about kind of a, a common complaint, I think, in toddlerhood is early waking what is the best way to manage that? So think about what's happening in the latter part of your day. You obviously want to make sure that you're providing the opportunity for rest during the day as well as activity. Um, if they're still napping, then make sure that they're not napping for too long or napping at the wrong times of day. But you really want to fill them up to, you know, a common thing when they wake up in the morning is they do feel very hungry. And there does come a point, obviously, in the morning when they are genuinely hungry. But if you've got the confidence that they've eaten enough the night before, the afternoon before, then you're not going to worry about that as much so you're going to have the confidence to then help them settle if they do have that early week um, and again thinking about the environment you know keep the temperature consistent try and keep the light as consistent as possible and if you know that you live in an area where there might be unexpected sounds then using white noise and things like that into, to into the toddler years can be really helpful. Um, often we'll reintroduce white noise for um, toddlers and children who have had a new sibling. With a busier brain, your toddler might need things to help them sleep more than ever, but these can also become a source of friction as your little one starts to push boundaries and their own wants on the world. So are, are things like comforters and noise aids a good or a bad thing for toddlers? So comforters are a good thing if they've chosen them themselves, but don't feel like you have to push it on them. Um, it's one of those, you know, you might have something that you like, but that might not be the thing that the toddler goes for. And that's totally fine. The time that they become a bad thing is if they are starting to throw them out of the cot or bed and demanding that you come back in and replace them. So how do you manage that, though? Because obviously if, if, they, if they need it to go to sleep, but then they keep throwing it, like, what would you do? You would remove it. So if it's not working, then you wouldn't keep it. But they'll soon learn that if that's the thing that they really want to yeah. have with them, then it's better to keep it with yeah. them rather than throwing it away and not getting it back. So it's yeah. something to discuss, not at bedtime, and just make it clear that actually you can't just keep coming back in, in and out to replace it. What about the idea of putting multiple... Yeah, you can totally do that. If they, if they all work, then definitely. Um, or just get a selection of the same and pop them in, definitely. Yeah, that's not a problem at all. With white noise or any other sort of noise aid, generally we would introduce it as babies to drown out the external noises. And keeping that, and for a lot of them, just having it on all the time is not a problem. But sometimes you'll find that you've stopped using it. 
And it would be when you were having a, a, another baby, a um, sibling, that you would start to reintroduce it at that point for the older one. Um, and then they might decide to keep it after that. So, yeah, none of these things are an issue unless they become an issue. If you feel like they're disrupting sleep, they're an issue. If you feel like they're not, they're working. And I quite often, I guess, if if parents haven't lost or got rid of a dummy in when they're babies it's quite often the time that they begin to think about it. again I know we've got a podcast on doing the dummy detox and we talk about it with toddlers but um I guess any kind of quick tips about that because it, it obviously falls under being a comforter I think you know there's windows when um, it is easier to get rid of dummies and things like that but certainly when they're toddlers it's all about talking about it explaining it explaining why you're getting rid of it offering them an alternative and then you know using some sort of reward as well is really important this sort of stage is maybe the sort of latter end of toddlerhood is when you kind of tend to see bad dreams starting or more fears around sleep and comforters can maybe come in quite useful then because obviously you know it gives them something to kind of snuggle into or, or or comfort them but um, yeah. yeah, any advice around sort of bad dreams and or, or or worries around it? A lot of reassurance, you know, always listen to worries. But if you feel that the worries are then preventing them going to sleep, make sure that, again, you're talking about the worries at different times of day. Um, some children like to draw out their worries. So rather than talking about them, they can just draw little pictures. And then I would just tuck them somewhere to encourage them to draw it, tuck them away so that they've hidden those worries away. And then you can talk about it the next day so that they're not absorbing all their energy at night. Um, and then if they do wake up in the night with a worry or a nightmare, listen, reassure, get them back to sleep and then address it in the morning. Always make sure that you do come back to any conversations that you said that you're going to have. Make sure that you do come back to them. Um, I feel like this is that like talking about, you know, night terrors and nightmares is a kind of podcast in itself. Um, but it also feels slightly connected to the fact that often that you do potty training around um, in toddlerhood and that can then be quite disruptive towards sleep like I've found with my kids that they quite are more likely to have um, bad dreams or my daughter has night terrors when they need a wee definitely they generally they do tend to find that there'll be disrupted sleep around that time so obviously making sure that they've done a big wee before they go to bed and um, often people will lift them when they go to bed just to prevent that and to be honest it's not a bad idea if you are finding that you're getting broken nights because of needing the toilet, then lifting them before you go to bed is a really good way to just stretch that sleep again. Some people obviously say that you shouldn't do that because it kind of creates a habit. It's the best thing to kind of rouse them when you lift them so that they're, they're a wee bit awake. Yeah. So that they're aware of what they're doing, definitely. Yeah, yeah. you don't want them slumped over you sound asleep on your shoulder while they're going for a wee because then obviously they, they might be the difference between me and the bed. Yeah. Good point. Toddlers are still growing like weeds, fast and furiously. They go through so many developmental milestones, it can feel like as soon as you get a good run of sleep, another curveball gets thrown in the way. And even though you've experienced milestones before and what they can do to sleep, they can be trickier to manage because your toddler can talk more and move about more freely. It's often why bedtime can become a bit of a battleground. So patience is needed. But what else, Sarah? We cannot emphasise enough the importance of time. It is such a 
pain in the bum. <laughs> but you need to take a step back. You know, when it comes to bedtime, often we are more tired than the children or we know that we're more tired than the children. They are obviously tired, but we know that we're more tired. We can want to rush things. Um, it might be that we still want our dinner or we want to get on with the next part of our day. And so we try and rush bedtime. And you can guarantee that as soon as you try and rush a bedtime, you're going to have the longest bedtime you've ever had. Yeah. So allow yourself time to do it properly, to do it calmly. Move things forward if that helps rather than... To start the whole thing earlier. Uh-huh. Just start everything earlier to really give yourself time. I know with aims like... If I want a really smooth bedtime, I need to allow an hour and a half for us both just to go through the motions, have all the little discussions that I know she wants to have. And mm-hmm. and the boys now are so aware that if they give her that time for their for her bedtime, they then get my time after she's asleep. So yeah. everything's calmer, everything's easier, but it is hard when you're tired and grumpy and ready for your dinner and all the rest of it. It is hard to be able to rationalize actually more time means less time I feel like I've maybe spoken about this before but such a big thing for me has been changing my mindset around what bedtimes are because I was getting really wound up about things taking longer I was hungry and um just changing that how I thought it was how long I thought it was going to take and also just reminding myself to be calm like that you know the, the fact that they want more of me at that point of the day is because they are tired and that I have to kind of suck it up otherwise and that I don't mean that to sound all very like oh zenful parenting because it's not it's also a little bit of me going well if I don't do this then I won't get time to myself because actually if I keep the bedtime calm they're more likely to go to sleep definitely no that's so true it's, the calmness really does help but it is really hard And I think also time is important in terms of if you are making changes, like things, you know, with with toddlers can take longer for for things to to kind of work, I guess. Um, But also, yeah, just having the patience to to work through any anything that's not quite working for you. And and I guess that also particularly relates to early wakes, because I I feel like that can be something that just kind of goes on. And then suddenly and people said this to me uh, with um uh my son who is definitely a morning person you know that he will just naturally get later I mean we weren't we're not talking he wasn't half five it was just it was always six and now he's more like half six quarter to seven and I know it doesn't make a big difference but it feels different yeah definitely but it's so true anything any changes any sleep changes with toddlers and children do take so much longer to bed in so it's not making changes it's being consistent and just following that through and you know if you've tried something for five nights and you feel like it's not working at this age keep going because five nights really isn't you know it's long enough to make big changes but it's not long enough to really bed in the little changes we talk about sleep not being in a straight line That's not to freak people out. It's so they know that all the skills they learn when it comes to sleep are going to be useful for a really long time. Yes, they grow and change with our children, but knowing about and setting healthy habits around sleep is one of the most important things we can teach them. Well, that and being flexible about what colour their plate is. (laughs) A toddler sleep toolkit is full of things you know, just with a bit more zhuzh, like them. Plus a whole ton of patience and a little bit of creativity. Giving yourself time and space for bad days and balls ups 
is as important as it's always been. Be kind to yourself. It's wild out there. As ever, we hope this helped. Look after yourselves and sleep soon. <laughs>